Welcome back to another episode of the Sexmancers Podcast. If you've listened to the show for any period of time, you may notice a theme here, which is relationships require intentionality. This is why I focus on a lot on the physical aspects of your relationship in the bedroom, but also can talk about communication and activities outside of the bedroom because activities create bonding. Bonding leads to emotions. This is why even in platonic relationships, having common interests and doing physical activities such as sports and competition or you know going out and doing social activities creates deep and meaningful friendships. Well, in your marriage, in your dating life, in your relationship, sex creates, you know, that emotional bond and that emotional bond creates more of a security, more time than not. I mean, yes, it can lead to jealousy and all of those things, but jealousy is about a fear of loss. And those fears of loss may be the result of us not feeling like we've done everything that we can to create a very secure relationship. So yes, I do cover a lot, you know, in the bedroom and I cover a lot outside of the bedroom. Like I said, one of the best things that you can do outside of the bedroom to increase the level of communication in your relationship is to do your finances together, to go through and do a budget together. But this is not an episode about budgeting. This is an episode in where we talk about even if you engage in sex regularly and you develop that deep emotional connection and you do all the things outside of the bedroom. Oh, drop my pen. I'll leave that in there. But even if you do all the things outside of the bedroom and you have high levels of communication, there are still situations in which a lot of you are holding things back from your partner because you're self-conscious, because you think, oh, that's weird. What if they think I'm a you know, weird person? Or what if they mock me for what it is I'm, I think about? What if they find my sexual desires to be odd? So you know what? Let's go ahead and explore that. So I had come across some articles here as I was kind of doing some research and you know, just kind of seeing what some of the odd stuff is. And I came across an article here that was just titled, Am I Weird for My Fetish? Now, that seemed like an odd question to be asking. So, I mean, I just skimmed through it. You know, to be honest, I didn't go very deep into it. But it's that question that stands out to me. Am I weird for my fetish? Now, this goes back to the idea that there are still things that are taboo or, you know, outside of the norm, societal norms for sexuality. And I got to thinking, you know, in 2020, is there really any norms left? Is there really anything that's considered taboo in all reality? I mean, there are some people out there going off and thinking, well, I want, really want to do anal, but, you know, that's taboo or, you know, what if they think I'm weird for wanting that? And yet you go online and there are people talking about going all anal all the time, you know, and how much they enjoy it. I mean, there's a whole anal revolution that's happened in the last 10 years. In what world 
or in what context would that be considered taboo or a weird fetish? But I get it. Some of you out there, you may be having kind of a, you know, a more odd fetish. Or you think it's an odd fetish. When the reality is, there's probably hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands, even millions of people that may have the same type of fetish as you. It's just people don't really go out and talk about their fetishes publicly. And yes, we got, you know, podcasts like my podcast. You have, you know, a bunch of other podcasts that are revolving around sex, marriage, and relationships. But for some reason, despite having various podcasts about it, the people without a podcast talking publicly still have this bit of self-consciousness talking about their sexual desires, especially, you know, publicly. You know, especially going on Twitter and going, I like it in my butt, or I like being tied up, or whatever. You know, people get self-conscious. I mean, our society for so long has been very much of the, yes, sex is normal. Yes, everybody does it. Yes, sex is pleasurable. But don't you dare talk about it in public. Don't you dare have a public conversation about it. And so we've kind of got to this place where we know what our sexual desires are, but we're too afraid to talk about it. Now, is your fetish weird? You know, are you some crazy person for having your fetish? I don't know. You know, to be honest here, there really isn't an answer to that because a fetish is really individualized preference, right? What seems normal to one person may seem weird to the, to another person. There is no such thing as normal or abnormal fetishes anymore. I mean, yeah, you might have some fetish that if you were to tell me about it, I may be surprised because, well, I just never knew that that was a thing. You know, and then you may have some fetishes that you're very shy to talk about. And it's like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty normal. So, I mean, let's talk about this because when we get around to it, it seems like women more than men are self-conscious about talking about their fetishes. Now, it may be possible that when it's just the girls around, you are more comfortable talking about your fetishes and comparing your sex lives and what it is you like or don't like. You know, maybe, you know, you do talk to your girlfriends about, you know, going full anal and, you know, enjoying it or whatever it is. But men... Men, you know, I can tell you from experience, when we get together and, you know, the conversation turns to sex, we'll talk about absolutely anything that we like, you know, during sex. I mean, it's not exactly one of those, you know, I guess maybe it's because society for the longest time thought of men as the ones who are the sexual prowlers and the women are supposed to be proper and you know, wait for marriage, and that the men's job is to corrupt them. You know, whatever. So, I mean, let's go ahead and take a look at, you know, some fetishes. And, you know, you'll realize that it's not really abnormal. 
Now, now I, I can't really think too much about what the fetishes are that women may have. It's kind of hard for me to go off and, you know, really try and figure that out. But there are some fetishes, like some guys, their fetish is the breast. You know, that's what they are most attracted to. They want to grab it, play with it, suck on it. They want to titty fuck the hell out of your breast. That is what really gets them going, your breast. And some, yes, it is your butt. Yeah. You know, whether or not the guy likes anal, they may very much be a butt person where they want to grab your butt cheeks, spank your butt cheeks. They want to go off and, you know, do all types of things to your butt because that is their fetish. You know, and there are things, you know, with your legs or your thighs or, you know, something. You know, maybe the fetish is that they just love coming all over your face. I mean, I, I can understand, you know, maybe women don't like having a guy come all over their face. But heck, there are even women out there whose fetish is loving to have their face cummed all over. So, you know, while some women may think that that is horrible and degrading, other women think of that as one of the most exciting and fulfilling parts of sex. It's very hard to tell whether or not a fetish, you know, is something that's going to be well-received or not. I mean, there are people out there whose fetishes is the feet, right? And a foot fetish is actually pretty common. Now, I'm not sure what you can all do with a foot. I, maybe I'm just not that imaginative as far as what you can do with a foot. But, heck, there are some people that find your feet to be the most attractive part of your body and so when you go off and you think about is my fetish you know um am i weird for my fetish is my fetish abnormal that's the wrong question to be asking the right question to be asking is is your fetish something that is important to you sexually is it something that you need in order to be able to have a fulfilling sex life. That is the really the only question that you need to ask, not whether or not someone will find it weird. And by the way, if you're in a relationship where you cannot talk to your partner about what it is you need sexually, how good is your relationship to begin with? And people, if you find that your partner really wants to talk to you about something but afraid of how you're going to respond, Maybe that is a situation in which you should analyze your behavior in the relationship, how you respond to your partner, and think about ways that you can change in order to make it easier for them to talk to you about what they want in life, both in and out of the bedroom. A, a, you're supposed to be partners that can talk about anything. Now, some of you may have a fetish about BDSM. You really want to get involved in the BDSM or you've done BDSM activities uh, with a previous partner. You're now very much in love. Maybe you've, you know, already crossed the bridge and got married. Maybe, you know, you're engaged leading up to the wedding day. But, you know, you know that 
BDSM has to be a part of your sex life, but you haven't done anything with your current partner. And you're trying to figure out how to bring it up, but you're afraid of how they're going to react. You know, and this again is one of those things that is very interesting. You know, when it comes to why is it that you're afraid or why is it that you would sacrifice the part of your sex life that you need the most? Because you're too afraid to even bring it up and ask your partner about it. I, I, I just, I, I just don't understand the whole sacrifice my sex life and have a less than fulfilling sex life just because I'm afraid of how they're going to respond. I mean, it is just ridiculous. Now, as we bring BDSM up, you know, uh, as I was putting this part of the show together, I, I, I was laughing because it kept bringing up uh, the image that I saw in this meme. You know, as it relates to everything that's going on with COVID-19. And so, I mean, the meme was like stating that women during the day, oh, I'm not going to wear a mask. It is, you know, I can't breathe in it. You know, it's too uncomfortable. And then it showed the uh, women at night being tied up, you know, handcuffed behind their head, uh, hands handcuffed behind their back, wearing a dog collar with a leash, a blindfold, and a gag ball. All right. So, it, it, just, so just a little bit of a note for those who are already into the full BDSM, you know, uh, sex life and all of that. If you're like that at night, then I guess, you know, you really can't say so much about the uncomfortability or inability to breathe wearing a mask during COVID-19. Just kind of wanted to throw that out there. So now the question becomes, how do you bring up exploring BDSM and kink in your relationship? You know, and for guys, this is easy. Hey, baby, I want to tie you up. Hey, I got this new spanker. You want to try it out? You know, that is easy for guys to bring up because guys are, you know, instinctively, you know, more, you know, dominant and forceful in the bedroom. Even though there are some guys that prefer to be submissive and there are girls who can be more dominant. And when you explore BDSM, I would suggest that you try both sides of this, you know, being dominant and submissive, unless one of you is definitely, definitely always wanting to be submissive and the other one is always wanting to be dominant. You know, that's the only roles that you like and you're in agreement on that. Now, when it comes to bringing up exploring BDSM in the relationship, you know, you don't just make the mistake of, hey, baby, I got a surprise tonight and then whip it out, you know, whip out whatever thing and have it be, you know, full bore. You know, I got you a dog collar, I got you uh, some bondage tape, and I got you, you know, some other whatever stuff, right? Maybe that's not the way to bring it up, you know, and it doesn't matter whether you're the husband or the wife or your same sex or, you know, whatever the case may be, that's probably not the best way to go about it. So one of the things that I would suggest, if you're wanting to go through and bringing up BDSM and exploring that into your relationship, it's just kind of floated out there. Now, I'm going to give it this advice 
um, more to women than men. You know, because women, I just want to let you know this. In fact, let me try and put it to you this way. In the history of your relationship, how well has subtlety worked for you? How perceptive is your guy at getting your little hints? Probably not very perceptive. I mean, even the most, you know, perceptive and best of relationships, the guy is probably going to miss quite a bit of your subtle hints. It's going to fly under the radar, so to speak. So while you can start off, you know, maybe a little subtle, you know, you got to get pretty much blunt as time goes on. So you can start floating things out there. Maybe, you know, you scroll through uh, your phone. Maybe you find a couple of the images and maybe you go, hey, look at this. You know, isn't that interesting? And show a picture of, you know, a couple in some BDSM play. And, you know, you could kind of gauge his reaction. But be careful not to misinterpret his initial reaction. If BDSM is outside of, you know, your normal sexual relationship, what you've established as normal in your relationship, you know, and that you've never done anything outside of maybe, you know, missionary, doggy, and cowgirl, and only in the bedroom, right? If you've never done anything outside of that, you know, his initial reaction may be surprise, especially if you're not the type of person who watches porn or looks at pornographic pictures, right? He may be shocked that you're even looking at the picture because that is not behavior he's typically aware of that you engage in. So, you know, don't put too much stock in the initial behavior. And plus, he may be surprised. He may be in a situation where he's wanted to bring this up to you, but he was too afraid of how you would react. And now he's starting to get this idea that, hmm, maybe you are interested in it. And at the same time, he's trying to figure out, is this a trap? I mean, yes, this is what guys, you know, think of. This is what goes through a guy's mind. I mean, this is kind of like when a wife says, I don't know, use your best judgment on certain things. You know, guys kind of look up and go, it's a trap. You know, the old Star Wars Return of the Jedi. It's a trap. You know, he's trying to figure out whether or not he's supposed to or allowed to respond honestly, or if this is some sort of trap and what the consequences of that trap is going to be. So his initial reaction. You know, you may want to, you know, take with a grain of salt, you know, but it's a way for you to start floating the idea out there, you know, and start getting him, you know, to think about it and getting him to, you know, think about, you know, your interest in it, you know, and then, you know, just kind of bring up, you know, more and more of it from time to time, you know, and then start leading to a conversation. You know, and after you start showing some pictures and ask and start asking them some questions such as, hey, how would you feel if we got some rope and, you know, just kind of 
you know, maybe took turns tying each other down or, hey, you know, could you try tying me down? You know, or, or maybe one of the first things that you'll do is blindfold. Be like, hey, I heard that if you use a blindfold, that the lack of, you know, vision during sex enhances your other senses, you know, especially that of feeling and can lead to a bigger, stronger orgasm. Can we try that? You know, and then after you got the blindfold, maybe you can do the rope, you know, and you just kind of talk about it in ways of, you know, how you think it enhances your pleasure, you know, such as, you know, you're just, you know, if you're blindfolded and tied down, you can't do a whole lot of movement. You can't squirm around. So all you can do is just lay back and just enjoy the experience that is happening and the pleasure that is coming uh, about instead of moving around, which may kind of limit your pleasure. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're constantly moving, changing positions, rolling all over the place, I can understand how that may, you know, reduce the sensation or put you in a situation where you get over teeth. So you just, you know, you don't go full bore and buying a whole BDSM kit. You just kind of bring it up, you know, with some pictures. You ask, you know, some questions. And then you just slowly roll in these items into the bedroom. And then you keep rolling it in until you got everything that you want, right? You keep doing that. Now, as it goes through, you know, maybe, oh, I forgot to silence the computer. Sorry about that. But maybe as you go through and you take a look at, you know, the situation, maybe after only one or two times, boom, your partner is on board and you go full bore, right? I mean, you kind of just gauge how things are going as you determine whether or not to add in more stuff or at what pace you continue to add BDSM. Now, you got to be careful. As you explore BDSM and kink into the relationship, because you may find that there are certain aspects of it that you don't like. Maybe you like being blindfolded and tied down. Maybe that, you know, it f- feels great to you. And maybe you like a spanker, you know, and being spanked during sex. But then you get to the gag ball and dog collar and you hate it you hate you know the gag ball you think the gag ball ruins sex or you got a dog leash which i guess i i just don't fully understand that but okay okay you know you got the dog leash and that just made you feel like complete crap you know well you know don't let that ruin it all for you in any way, shape, or form. You know, you you just got to start experimenting that, you know, these are the things that I like, these are the things I don't like. And not every time you try something new is it going to be a great experience. Sometimes it's going to be bad. So you got to make sure that you don't throw out the good times just because you have a bad time. Another way of saying this, you know, maybe you've heard this before, but you don't throw out the baby with with the bath water. You just kind of go through and explore, take note of what it is that you do like 
and the things that you don't like, and then you just cross off the list. The things that you don't like, you keep the things that you do like. But you know, you can introduce this slowly and gauge your partner's reaction and level of comfort. I mean, ladies, your first idea shouldn't be, I'm going to get a, a dildo and stick it up his butt. No, 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 no. You kind of got to ease into that, you know, just a little bit, you know, and no matter what you do, there are some guys that, you know, that aren't, I don't know if that some guys are the majority of guys or where that is, but will not exactly go uh, for that particular situation. You know, I believe they call it pegging, but there are some guys who will. But I mean, but you just kind of, you know, not go from zero to a hundred right away as you're exploring because it's not just you know BDSM and you know thinking that oh this is somehow taboo or he's gonna you know think that I am strange. No, no, it's more along the lines of, with BDSM, all the stuff you're adding and all that, you got to really, you know, take it a slightly slower as you introduce it, because, I mean, some of the stuff that you may do uh, may be, you know, causing danger, such as, you know, the gag ball, you know, there may be some women who, after having a gag ball in there, might not be able to breathe very well and could start getting around towards suffocating or, you know, uh, the do- or using, you know, uh, a dog collar, you know, during your BDSM play. You know, maybe you, you put it on too tight or, you know, you, you just kind of got to get used to the item. I mean, even something as simple as a spanker, you know, you, you may not be, you know, consciously aware of, how hard you're spanking someone because when you're using a spanker, it increases the amount of force being used. And so you may not be used to how light or how hard that spanker needs to be used. I, and plus during sex, it's easy for things to kind of get out of control using these things, you know, especially if you're not used to it because your mind isn't focused on how hard am I actually spanking her? It's focused on, oh my God, this feels awesome. Woohoo. You know, you, you kind of get what I'm saying there. Now, another thing when it comes uh, to BDSM and introducing it into the relationship is you just need to be true to yourself. You know, when you start going off and you start adding in BDSM, don't just add in everything because you think you have to or that's just part of it, that you must accept the good, uh, the bad things along with the good things. No, you, you just got to be true to yourself. You know, whether it's BDSM and kink, whether it's and exploring, you know, your fetishes, you know, you, you got to be true to yourself because if you're not true to yourself as it relates to your sexual proclivities, then the only thing that you're doing is you're holding back your sex life and having a less than fulfilling sex life can be very damaging to the relationship. You know, it interferes with your ability to really bond on deep levels with each other and can lead one of you uh, astray to find someone who will be more fulfilling in the sex life than who you're currently with. You know, so you got to be true to yourself. And besides, how many people can really go around through life being a complete and total fake? Uh, just 
just a little question there. You know, but how many of you, you know, can actually just be fakes and, you know, and keep that up, you know, and not lose who you are. Right. So that's just kind of my thoughts and my ideas of how to, you know, explore and bring up, you know, BDSM into the relationship and how you need to stop thinking of your sexual desires, your fetishes and, you know, what it is that gets you off in bed. You need to stop thinking that in terms of weird. You need to stop thinking that in self-conscious terms. And you need to just start thinking about it in the, in the way that this is how my body works. This is what gets me to orgasm. This is how I'm built. How I'm built is not weird. And you also need to realize that your partner cares about your sexual fulfillment. And especially when it comes to guys, we're looking for any insight that we can from you as far as what will get you to an orgasm because your orgasm makes men feel great. And besides women, how do you feel during those times when you're having sex and he can't get off? If he were to tell you the reason why he couldn't get off at that moment and what he needed you to do in order to get off, wouldn't you love to have that insight? Wouldn't you like to have that? So, when you communicate about your fetishes, when you communicate about your sexual desires, you're really communicating the manual to how your body and your orgasms work. Do not deny your partner that manual. Now, I do want to take just a few moments here to talk a little bit about porn. And no, I'm not some anti-porn person, but you have to realize that when it comes to porn, porn is like uh, it, it, it's a double-edged sword, right? In moderation, porn can be a very healthy part of your sex life. It's a way for you to be able to get some ideas, spark some creativity of things that you can do to try and sp spice up your sex life. Now, you also have to keep in mind that what you see in porn is not necessarily real. You know, these are trained actors, there's a lot of cuts, video edits, and a lot of things that happen behind the scene to try and reduce, you know, pain and discomfort that one may feel performing certain sex acts before they ever get around to uh, the videos that they show. A lot of things go on behind the scene, you know, but it can be a way to generate ideas or if you're in a situation where you know, you are separated from your partner, uh, for a little bit. Maybe they had to travel for work. Maybe they had to, you know, uh, go somewhere because, you know, something happened in the family that they need to take care of and you're left hanging. Porn can be a way to help and, you know, get you sexually stimulated for masturbation. However, porn also has some negative effects if you overconsume it. And it's not that porn itself is, you know, bad. It's just the way the brain works. There's been a lot of studies that show that, you know, how porn addiction works and how it can alter, you know, the brain a little bit. Because you start looking at porn, you start getting excited, and then you start going down the rabbit hole of looking for 
more and more porn uh, and more and more extreme forms of porn. You know, maybe you just start off with just normal sexual relations and then you start taking a look at, you know, some bondage, some domination. You go through uh, anal and you just keep going down and then you take a look at, you know, um, you know, same sex. I mean, for guys, you know, they may take a look at lesbian porn or, you know, group orgies, you know, and the level of excitement goes up taking a look at all of these, you know, uh, more extreme forms of sexual behavior. And, you know, don't, don't get me wrong. Women can get, you know, pretty addicted to porn as well. You know, the, there's a way, you know, are there's studies, you know, showing in the brain, you know, how that porn addiction, you know, gets going and that constant need for sexual excitement, you know, but porn addiction does happen. And when it does happen, it starts to interfering with your actual sex life. And when I first started hearing about porn addiction, I was like, really? You would prefer just masturbating to a video rather than, you know, actually engaging in the full-on pleasure of sex? Uh, You know, for men, you know, you would rather use your hand than your wife's nice, tight, wet vagina, right? It, it, It is just kind of one of those Things are, you know, having the nice suction of her mouth giving you a blowjob. How can your hand be in any way nearly as fulfilling as that? And for women, you know, uh, I get that, you know, you have vibrators. So, I mean, it's at least a little more fulfilling than just your hand double-clicking your mouse. But, you know, in the end, you know, it, it just doesn't feel the same or as pleasurable you know, with the way everything is supposed to line up. But porn addiction is, you know, it's just like any other addiction. You know, it's just hard to break. And some people get to such extreme forms, you know, especially with our cell phones, you know, that, you know, throughout the day, maybe they'll be at work and they go to the bathroom and watch a little bit of porn. And they watch so much porn that they can't even get off watching it anymore, you know, uh, every time they watch it, maybe only every few times, and they have to look for more extreme, more exciting versions of porn in order to be able to keep getting off. And, you know, maybe they'll be on a date and then have to, you know, go somewhere, you know, uh, to watch porn and masturbate. Or, you know, if they're on a long drive, you know, try and pull off into a gravel road and rub one out. You know, it, and how it relates to their partner is, you know, that, you know, when their partner is horny, you know, the porn addicted person, you know, can no longer get sexually aroused, you know, and they'll act, you know, as if they're tired, you know, maybe a little bit depressed and, you know, they just kind of go off and seem to lose all interest in sex with you. And this can be very, very frustrating, you know, and so we need to start thinking about ways that we can go about, you know, trying to deal with porn addiction. Now, as far as what you can do uh, as it relates to men, okay, that may be somewhat easy. You know, women, you just need to, you know, attack him sexually, you know, maybe even multiple times a day so that he doesn't have you know, the desire to go to porn because he, you know, 
is going through. Now, of course, when you start doing that, when you just start randomly giving, you know, trying to give them a blowjob two, three, four times a day, you know, in order to get them uh, off of porn, you know, it may be a little difficult because maybe at first he's going to have problems getting fully erect, you know, and it may be discouraging for you doing that. Or maybe, you know, you try to attack him, you know, you, you get naked and jump into bed, you know, and trying to rip his clothes off. You be the aggressor and you see that he is still has a limp willy, you know, and, you know, after a couple of times of that, you may be feeling the need to give up. But think about this. When it comes to addiction, addiction uh, has a lot to do with behavior. When it comes to things like porn. Now, of course, drug addiction also has that chemical reaction that adds in that extra layer, but it's all about behavior. And it takes about 90 days to successfully go about changing one's behavior. So it may take you a good 30 to 45 days of going off and trying to, you know, change his, you know, or rewire him back to normal sexuality. And when I say normal sexuality, meaning that instead of watching videos, he prefers an actual live person. All right. That, that's the only thing that I'm going to say as far as normal versus abnormal sexuality. Um, you know, that it's, you would prefer an actual live person to a screen in your house, you know, to your phone screen. So, you know, you, you got to start. You know, doing that, but you also need to have a conversation with your partner. And this is now getting into a situation where even if it's the woman in the relationship that suffers from porn addiction, you know, you need to first start off by having a conversation about the problem, you know, and how it, you know, makes you feel, but you got to make sure you do it in a way that the other person doesn't necessarily feel attacked. And then you got to talk to them about what you can do to get your sexual relationship back on track, you know, which would be about talking about how, you know, whenever you start feeling the desire to watch porn, just come, you know, uh, tell me about it and I will take care of your sexual need. Right. You, you just kind of start thinking about it in that particular term. And for women, you know, I get it. If you have, you know, a porn addiction, you know, you may not always speak up because maybe you're embarrassed about how much you need porn. I get it, but you're going to have to get over that. And I get that at first, you may not have the sexual desire to go back, you know, immediately to having intercourse. And this is maybe where, you know, if you view your relationship as still important, you have to push yourself. You know, if you're the porn addicted person, you're going to have to push yourself to engage sexually with your partner and ask them to help you out, you know, and engage in sexual activity every time you feel the need to watch porn. And if you're the one who's, you know, who's not addicted to porn, when your partner first comes up and starts talking to you, you know, about, you know, being horny, needing to get off, yada, yada, yada. Right. You shouldn't just go, I'm not in the mood. You know, oh, I, I, I just, 
I, I don't want to right now. No, 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 no. If you want to help your partner get off of the addiction of porn, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that you're going to need to submit to sex anytime that they want. And it doesn't matter whether you're the guy or the girl. Now, guys may have a harder time with this, submitting to sex anytime their partner wants in order to help them get off of porn. Um, just because, you know, as guys get older, our ability to, you know, engage in high levels of sexual activities, you know, uh, you know, the frequency of sex, you know, as teenagers, sure, you want to go three, four, five times a day. Yes. But once, you know, you get into a situation late twenties, early thirties, maybe starting to push into your forties, you know, a guy being able to, you know, engage in sex multiple times a day might start to become a bit of a challenge. You know, just being honest there. And so you might have to go, you know, a little bit towards oral and, you know, kind of switch it up a bit. Or maybe he uses telehealth in order to get his hands on some Viagra. Therefore, he is, you know, able to keep up with your sexual needs. But just keep that in mind. Now, just because your partner tells you that, you know, they're horny, they need to get off, and they start engaging in sex, they may have troubles in bed. You know, for a guy, he may have troubles getting and maintaining an erection. So you may be having sex multiple times a day, but he's only able to keep an erection uh, only one of those times. But the other times, he just needs that, you know, feeling and sensation or the attempt. And having that erectile dysfunction could, you know, lead to him, you know, feeling bad about it feeling embarrassed, and so you need to be reassuring. Now, for women, you may have problems being able to be sexually aroused. You may have problems, you know, being wet, you know, uh, at first and having proper lubrication. Of course, for you, you know, one of the things that you can do uh, to get around that is just use lube, you know. So you have a bit of an easier time with, you know, sex you know, and being able to engage in sex without having to be fully aroused yourself. I mean, there's so many things. I think women generally have more of an advantage uh, when it comes to sex. But just understand that porn addiction is real. It does take time to get over it. And when you start trying to help out your partner, it can be very discouraging at first because you're going to feel like you're not enough. Right. So you, you just have to understand, you know, that particular process and how long it takes, you know, for people to, you know, change their habits and kind of rewire themselves sexually and just stick with it. Okay. And so I, I'm just going to have a brief discussion on this for a moment. I came across, you know, this reading is politics interfering with your play. And of course, this would come out because everything in 2020 is politics, right? There is no way to escape politics in any way, shape, or form. But this kind of got me curious. It's like, wait a minute, you know, you're supposed to talk about all of this, you know, with your spouse before you get married, you know, if politics is important to you, you kind of 
check out to see if you align politically, if you re- align religiously, if you have the same views on how to handle money. You know, maybe, you know, you talk about what your values are and how you would plan to raise your kids. I mean, there's a lot of conversations you're supposed to have before you get married. So I was kind of curious and I opened this up. And this wasn't talking about marriage or relationships. This was talking about one night stands and friends with benefits. And it's like, really? You're concerned about the political beliefs of someone you're having a one night stand with. You're concerned about the political beliefs of somebody who your only interaction with is just to have sex, you know, for sexual gratitude. You know, and, I, and I'm trying to figure out why anybody would be concerned about someone's political beliefs if all you're going to do is, you know, bone and leave, right? You have no interest in being friends out, and you have no interest in actually dating, you know, for marriage. What the hell does one's political beliefs have to do with it? And this article was trying to go off and say, well, you know, if they, you can't fully separate one's political beliefs from their personality. And it's like, uh, I kind of disagree with that. I mean, not politics does not, you know, for everyone interact with every aspect of their lives. But they were, you know, of course, doing the typical thing of, you know, if the person doesn't align up with, you know, my views politically, they are a horrible, evil, awful person. You know, and, and of course they would do that. But they started going off and talking about how important it is that you align politically on a one night stand and with, uh, on friends with benefits or, you know, since are strangers with benefits, you know, however you want to put that. And I don't know, you know, I, I've read so many of these type of articles, you know, trying to cast anybody who disagrees with you as horrible, evil, immoral people. That, you know, I, I kind of, you know, ignore these type of things. And I would suggest you ignore them too. I mean, I get, you know, the importance of it if you're dating for marriage, but I don't, but not when it's just, you know, sleeping around playing as a single person, you know, but I will tell you and taking a look at this, I did have some funny thoughts. You know, I, I, I did. I, I really had some funny thoughts coming up, and so I'm going to share those with you, All right? So when they started talking about the importance of being able to align politically with your sexual play, you know, partners, you know, your play toys, you know, one of the first thoughts I came up to mind is like, why? You going to discuss politics during sex? Is your orgasm going to be dependent Upon a riveting debate and agreement on tax policy. Yes, yes, oh yes, I, I believe it should be 45%, 45% tax rate. Yes, yes, 45% on taxes. I agree. Oh, oh, I mean, is that really how this is going to go? I mean, is that why politics is going to be so important, you know, to align politically with, you know, sleeping around and sex partners? or? Maybe it's not tax policies. Maybe it's international trade agreements that really gets to you. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay, we'll agree to 5,000 bushels of corn if you agree to purchase 20,000 bushels of bean. Uh, deal? Deal. Oh! I mean... I, I I just don't get how many people are actually engaging in political debates and that those debates are, you know, sexually stimulating and how many people are dependent on political agreement on these things for their orgasm. It, 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 it is one of those things that I'm just like, really? That this is what you're considering important? So, Maybe before when I was talking about, is your fetish weird? You know, maybe I should put a little stipulation on my previous thing that fetishes are not weird and that they are how you are wired. But I'm going to say this. If you need to have a political debate in order to have an orgasm, okay, I'm going to call that one a little weird. Right? That one, is, that's just a sign that things are going a little bit too far politically. You know, and when I say too far politically, I mean the invasion of politics into every aspect of our lives. Okay. So the last thing uh, that I want to be able to get to is, you know, talking about, you know, foreplay, you know, and foreplay for busy people. You know, because foreplay is something uh, that is important. It's a way to help, you know, get your engine going, so to speak. You know, it's a way to help close the gap you know, between how, you know, long or how short it takes for a man to be able to achieve orgasm and how long, much longer it takes for a woman to be able to achieve orgasm. So, you know, going through and dealing with foreplay is probably an important part for many of your uh, relationships. However, we all lead busier lives and foreplay does add in time. Uh, to sex, you know, you know, so for instance, uh, if you don't go engage in foreplay, a guy can probably be done in three to five minutes of sex. If they, you know, if we go by the average norm, which leaves women, a lot of women hanging because it takes them on average about 12 minutes, right? But adding in that additional foreplay of say oral sex and the guy going down on women. You know, that adds an additional time and we seem to be caught up in this, you know, world in which, you know, we're always busy. Our phones are always notifying of something that needs our attention. You know, a lot of us, you know, are now working from home, you know, and we got kids. A lot of us, you know, travel for work. A lot of us have to make a lot of decisions you know, and have lots of meetings and do a lot of negotiations. And all of that just keeps interrupting. And we keep thinking, okay, you know, I, I need sex, but I really don't have time for it. You know, let's go wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You know, and that is not how uh, we should go through. So we should be thinking about ways uh, to get foreplay in. Now, how do we do that in our busy lives, knowing that it's going to add more time you know, to our sex life. Well, first of all, you got to first start off wondering, you know, is everything else you're doing more important than sex with your partner? Right? Shouldn't your partner be the most important thing? Right? So what are some of the things uh, that you can do, you know, for, you know, 
for play for busy people? Well, one of the things that you can do is introduce sex toys. Yes, using sex toys can really help get your partner towards, you know, that orgasm sooner, can help, well, speed up the process, shall we say? So going through and using, you know, some vibrating toys and some suction toys and, you know, all of that can help speed up, you know, uh, the foreplay process and, you know, but it will have the additional, you know, uh, drawback of your sex life is going to be short and brief. You're, I'm, and what I mean that is sex is only going to be a three to five minute affair. And yeah, I, I get it. Sometimes that's all you really have time for, but you know, maybe you don't want that to be the norm for your sex life. Okay. So add in some toys. Another thing is engage in some sensation play. This is when you use all five senses to heighten your pleasure. So you might brush a feather along uh, your partner's skin. Uh, use a whip uh, to spank them or alternate kissing, licking, and nibbling uh, for touch. You know, for sound, you might, you know, tune in uh, to each other's moans, your breathing, your grunting. You know, maybe you might use some scented candles or lotions or essential oils, you know, for your sense of smell and for your taste buds. Maybe you use, you know, aphrodisiacs and you just kind of go through and try to hit as much of your five senses, you know, as possible, you know, and this is where, even though I gave a caution about porn, but you can watch porn together. See, I think porn is best when you watch it together because you can get that sexual stimulation and then use each other to finish the job, you know, but you can use porn when you need something to you know, get you going, you know, pretty fast. You know, you can also use, you know, blindfolds, uh, which can heighten your other senses. So that's one thing. Uh, adding in BDSM and kink, you know, adding in the additional, you know, sexual excitement. And, you know, another thing, you know, is to just go along with it. Don't be the type of person that just kind of resists or, gets worried about feeling awkward. No, if you don't have that much time, you know, you know, and you may not be able to fully do everything that you want. Don't fret. Just go with, just go with it. Just do what you can, you know, but adding in uh, some BDSM and kink, you know, adding in some bondage sometimes, you know, by not being able to move around a lot, you know, and being restrained, can help bring you to orgasm faster, you know, as well as, you know, some role playing and, you know, that can help, you know, you with kind of teasing each other a little bit uh, throughout the day when you got the chance so that you're more sexually excited. Uh, oral sex, you know, that is great, you know, uh, for foreplay, you know, that is a way to be able to really, you know, you know, help you know, each other along and be able to really get each other into that zone. You know, so oral sex should be a very big part of, you know, your foreplay, especially when you don't have a whole lot of time. So that's just a few quick ideas of things that you can do 
you know, uh, to go through foreplay when you don't really have a whole lot of time. You know, you basically you just try to fit it in and you know, maybe your, you know, your foreplay usually lasts about, or maybe you never get engaged in foreplay. And so you use foreplay for about five minutes. You know, you maybe take two minutes of setup prep or, you know, or whatever. And maybe it's not because you don't have a whole lot of time. Maybe the issue here, you know, with your sex life is not that you lack the time to have sex, but because you're so busy, so strained and all of that, that just getting in the mood for sex, being able to just relax and enjoy yourself is part of the problem. So you'll need to, you know, go through and just kind of find ways to, you know, engage in some quick foreplay action that will help get you to your orgasm faster or foreplay action that is designed to help get you into the mood to relax, to, you know, just kind of enjoy yourself. All right. All right, so that's it uh, for today's episode. I'd like to thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate, you know, your feedback. I appreciate how many of you are listening each and every week. Thank you so much, and I will be back again soon.